Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, it's Kelly, and joining us on the show this week is Canadian singer-songwriter Estero talking about the struggle artists are facing to be paid properly when it comes to streaming income. We speak with Montreal-based singer-songwriter Ada Leah talking about her latest album, What We Say in Private. Our music editor Sharon Hyland stops by, and we have some new music for you to check out from Ariana Grande, Miley Cyrus, Green Day, and Emily Sande. Estero has worked with some amazing artists like the Black Eyed Peas, Most Def, Nelly Furtado, and Kanye West, just to name a few. She's recently taken a stand against the way recording artists are compensated for their songs on streaming services, and we are very happy to have her on the program. Estero, thank you so much for joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you for having me. So I heard you taking a stand uh, against streaming when you were on a talk show, a talk radio show here in Canada just, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. And the minute I heard this interview, I was like, I have to find her. I have to get her on my show, uh, just because I think this is such an important topic. And I've always wondered, because as I told you sort of off air, I'm a radio announcer by by trade, and that's my career. And uh, obviously, I'm very much involved in, in the music industry. But I've always been concerned about streaming, because I've never really understood how you as artists get paid. So when it comes to that. So can you kind of give us like a bit of a crash course about how streaming works and how it's really not working for artists? I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, it's, uh, you, <sighs> okay, a crash course. Um, well, cause I saw I the mean, post that's... that you would make, you would put on your Facebook page where you were kind of outlining, uh, one of your situations and just the amount of like, it's not even pennies that you're making per stream. It's, it's really terrible. Yeah. I mean, we get, uh, 0.00, anywhere from 0.003 to 0.008 cents per stream. And, um, this is also broken up. I think this is, I'm not sure if this is even the songwriter share, just the master holder share. You know what I mean? It's really nothing. And basically what had happened was that I had had a song in a movie and it had done well. And so I got a lot of um, notice about like uh, um, attention around it. And I, uh, you know, so far it's garnered, uh, I think, two million streams on Spotify, that song alone. And the revenue is very, very, very little. So if we're fair, though, we have to say that not all 4 million of those streams would be purchases because, you know, people listen to the same song over and over again if they like it. But the way as it stands right now, you would have to just to make one generate one dollar from streaming. A person would have to listen to a song, you know, three to I think somewhere between three to five hundred times. And you wouldn't I mean, even your favorite song, you wouldn't listen to that many times. (laughs) This is crazy Uh, to me. Like, it's absolutely just mind-boggling. And so uh, take us through the decision then when you you made the decision that you were going to take a stand. Like, how did it even come to you to to try to pull this off on Spotify? Well, and you know what? I should actually clarify. I feel like for headline's sake, people have been saying Spotify, but I really want to be clear. I didn't just do this on Spotify. I uploaded this version of the song to every single streaming service. Like, everyone. Like, it's, it's on Apple. It's on... Deezer, it's on all of them. Um, So, but Spotify sort of notoriously pays the worst rates. Um, Basically, once that song had been in the movie and I had released a new single earlier this year called Baby Steps and I had put it out via streaming and for purchase um, and I decided to take a look about a weekend at what at what it was spinning and what it had done. And I think it had, you know, spun like 15,000 spins really early on. I'm completely independent. I don't have any promotion, just myself, no PR, no nothing, no management. I'm just sort of depending on the algorithm gods of Instagram and my social media. 
um, to get sort of awareness to people that I have stuff out. So I saw what it had done and then I did the math on what it basically had generated for myself and the person I did it with. And I decided in that moment, like I was going to stop streaming. I was like, this is ridiculous. Because even as I looked like I had some purchases, but I thought, man, if this, if these 15,000, even if only half of those had been purchases, I'd have something kind of okay, like resembling kind of fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? So I just, and I had read this article about why independent artists in particular shouldn't stream. And I agreed with it. And it made sense to me. Like you can't, expect people to purchase something that you are willing to give away for free. And it is better to have sort of a small niche audience that's willing to support you than kind of buy into this myth or this lie that that streaming is going to get you large amounts of exposure because it's not. Like it's still something that is, I, I believe, a pay-to-play system and that you, especially when major labels got involved in these things too, it's really about who has the most money and the most kind of pull and influence. So you have to get put on playlists and it's all, you know, for a girl like me, I call it like I'm a part of the heritage music business. I've been making records for a really long time. So it also makes my head spin. I don't entirely know how it works. All I know is that people tell me like, you have to get on a blog and you have to be, you know what I mean? Like there's this whole new way it was. And I think I just looked at it and I went, um, I don't want to participate in this. I kind of want to put music out on my own terms. I think what I'm going to do is just make the best music that I can. And I think that the medicine will reach those who it needs to reach. Like, like the old, I have to have faith that I can make something beautiful and that someone will hear that it will touch them and then they'll want to pass it on. So that's what I decided I was going to do. And I, um, I decided I was going to pull from streaming. I'm sorry, this is getting very long. That's all good. I decided I was going to not stream anymore. I explained to my fans why, because I have respect for them and I want them, you know, I don't want to just suddenly not be somewhere. And so I let them know and um, they were quite supportive. I um, And then I decided I was going to make a vinyl of, uh, of Baby Steps as a single and I wanted to have a B-side. And thank God that vinyl is having a resurgence because it's physical product. It's something that you can, you know, potentially make some money um, selling. So I had come up with the B-side and made it so that the B-side would only be available if you purchased the vinyl. And then you would get a digital download as soon as you pre-ordered the vinyl. And I had been thinking about how um, I have a Michael McCarty, who's sort of my music business dad, um, had spoken to me years ago about the idea of uh, making a music trailer, not in this particular um instance but in the idea that we get asked as musicians a lot of the time um by, by film and tv placement companies to like could you whip something up for this and the expectation is it's done generally in a short period of time and it takes a lot of effort and it costs money to record and then if you don't get the placement you've just sort of wasted time and money so michael was saying to me you know musicians should learn how to make trailers for their songs so you just kind of give a, a few minute kind of here's the idea of what i would do and submit that and then you're not wasting all this time and i kind of took that idea towards streaming i just had a moment i was like what if i make a trailer for my song and instead of and spotify has a like a a minimum uh, that you have to have the song has to be a, a minute and 30 seconds in order for them to stream it I thought, what if I make kind of a trailer for the song instead of giving away the whole song, but I give part of the song away so people can hear it and I can get that exposure, but then I can kindly explain to them when it's cut short, like, hey, you know, you can purchase the the full length on my site because this doesn't actually generate me any money, but thanks for listening. And so 
I sat down to sort of do that with Give Me Some Time, and that is what came out. And um, it was just my way of trying to empower myself in a world where I don't really feel empowered anymore, where I feel I'm a part of the old way of doing things, where I'm kind of alone doing it and feel a little helpless. And it was a way for me to feel like I could kind of um, take back power, empower myself in some way, where I could say, all right, well, I'll play your game, but I'm going to do it with my own rules, you know? So I couldn't have, I mean, I guess I could have imagined that this kind of attention was going to follow. And I'm really grateful for it because I don't think it's just, I'm not the only one being treated unfairly, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping that it's, it's creating an example for other independent artists and all types of artists that we don't, we can, if enough of us are organized, we can dictate how this is going to work for us as opposed to the other way around. Because the, the fact is this, Spotify is a $38 billion company. There are, there's lots of money being generated from streaming. It's just not going to the people who actually make it. And that's where the problem lies. Hanging out with us on The Kelly Alexander Show is a recording artist, Estero. You can uh, check out her website, estero.net, to grab all of her social media handles and, of course, uh, grab her music as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, like, with regards, you just sort of mentioned other artists. Are you getting support from your community with regards to what you've done? Yes. Um, I have a lot of other artists that are reaching out to me on social media saying, thank you for saying this. I've been saying this for a really long time. Thank you for saying this, you know. So that feels good. And then my response is like, cool, join me, yeah. <laughs> join the, like, <laughs> join me. I mean, really what it's going to take is us to get organized and also in order to change the sort of model of how things are being done. And also I think it would be really powerful. Like for me, you know, people are saying like, oh, this is so punk rock. This is so ballsy. Like people, you know, Evan had mentioned like, you know, there's large companies that aren't willing to go up against Spotify or these streams. You're just this one woman. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't really have. I have nothing to lose, you know, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally don't have anything to lose. So it's easy for me to be fearless in some ways. Um, I, and thanks to people like yourself, you know, that I'm getting attention before the possibility of them removing it um, is really helpful. But I think that also it's going to take a much more high profile artist or company as a whole to, um, to do what I've done or do something similar. Yeah, I, I was wondering, because I know, obviously, that you're friends with the Black Eyed Peas and all that kind of stuff. Would it would it take, like, groups like them and even, like, the Taylor Swifts of the world to kind of figure out that this is not good? Or, or do you think, like, somebody like Taylor Swift, it's working for her? Or, like, a Katy Perry? Like, is it working for any of these top tier? I think that they're making more money because they're getting more plays, but they're being paid similar amounts, but they're also getting, they have uh, other sources of supplemental income that are much bigger because they have more exposure. Like they're getting money from touring and merch and all this other stuff. So it matters less to them. Right. Whereas someone like me where I'm independent and a lot of pe people, I kind of want to address this too, because there have been people that are like, just go tour. And I think that while I appreciate, you know, you know, people are like, we'd love to see you live. Well, I appreciate that support. There is a certain element of um, people not understanding that touring costs a lot of money. Right. And so if I'm not making income from any sales, then I cannot invest in myself to tour because it, it does. It costs a ton of money and it costs money to pay players what they're worth to play with 
you know, and I'm, I'm old school. I like to have live musicians play with me. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, you need tour support and quite often, even when you're on a major label, the label is giving you tour support and it's kind of the whole point used to be so that you would sell records. Right. But it, it that in itself is sort of, you're investing in that. And, um, especially if you're an opening artist and a, and your label's paying for you to go on tour with someone, you're not making any money from touring. You know, right. you're now just getting exposure to investing in marketing basically you're just being seen by lots of people that they hope will invest in your brand whatever it is now or purchase what you've done so <clears throat> it's um yeah these larger artists it doesn't i think it if it doesn't affect them as much because they have so much so many other avenues of income right okay that's what i figured and i think too once you are in that cycle of things like the katie perry's the taylor swift's the ed sheeran's and all that sort of stuff then you're even saying, like you just mentioned about touring, um, then you get sponsored by like Pepsi, you know what I mean? And then you're not even paying for it or you're paying yeah, less. So exactly. Yeah, they're making a ton of money. And they're, those are the ones that basically they're going to need to stand up and say, even though they're not broke, yeah, they're, they need to be able to stand up for the, the underdogs and say, you know what, this isn't fair and this affects everyone. With your with your existence in the uh, Los Angeles music scene, because I, you know, for for somebody looking in, I think a lot of us think it's like this, um, you know, massive industry, which it is in in a way. And I think but I think probably when you're in the community, it's a lot less big than we think it is, especially if you are connected to certain groups. And then it just seems like everybody can sort of find find each other. In your opinion, um, do you think like if you have a bit of a groundswell with your your situation, can it get to somebody's ears who you think needs to hear and help? I hope so. I mean, I can only hope so. I think that there's been a few people, like I said, on my Instagram and social media that I know, um, like, for instance, Natasha Bedingfield yep. reached out and was like, bravo. And I, my response was like, join me. Yeah. <laughs> like, join <laughs> me. Um, and she, uh, but I know that there would be people that her voice is, has a little more reach than mine. You know what I mean? And then that in turn would sort of, sort of spread. I think it's, I think, yes, it is possible. Okay. Okay. Just because I really want everybody you know, to help. And like, I think it is becoming something within the industry. I think, you know, BBC News covered this story now. So it's like, yes, it's possible. So there's not really a lot of excuses. Okay, Somebody's cool. kind of got to step up if it's going to change. For now, for me, I'm just happy that it is getting some attention and that, um, I'm hoping it does generate into what I wanted it to generate into, which is and, people supporting me as an independent artist and purchasing my music rather than streaming it. And what do you? And I love that it started this other conversation. And what do you want from us, like fans of yours and and just music fans in general? Like, what do you want from us? What should we be doing to help right the ship? I would say support independent artists whenever you can and buy directly from them. I would say, you know, I can't expect people to stop streaming right now because it's already you know the bears out of the cage so yeah. to speak and it's a very convenient way to listen to music but i'd say that if you are streaming especially if there's an artist that you're streaming often um and you have records you go to go ahead and purchase those albums as well um that's how you can show your support is to purchase something as opposed to just have this subscription i mean because there's so many mistakes that were made in the building of this in the construct of this um model in the first place the fact that that when you think about it, for $10 a month, you can have access to every album ever made ever in all time, basically. Yeah. And that's less than the cost of one CD. Yeah. So it's killing the business. And so they're killing the very thing that they're peddling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then on top of it, 
it makes it so that it makes it a lot harder for a sort of working class grassroots band to exist for art to be made. Everything becomes very similar, um, has to fit in, be on a playlist. So it's the best thing that you can do is purchase music when you can. If you're, you know, I can't ask people like stop streaming. I'd like that. That'd be mm-hmm. great. Um, but I would say purchase when you can and purchase directly from artists if possible. Um, that's really, that's really what we can do. Okay, cool. And I'm, and it's funny because everything that you just said with regards to the $10 subscription and you have access to this, that, and everything else, I literally had that conversation with a colleague of mine yesterday at work because I was telling him, I'm like, I'm actually going to be speaking to Astero tomorrow and I'm really upset about the streaming yeah. situation. And he literally said everything that you just said. He's like, yeah, but for 10 bucks a month, like I can listen to whatever I want. And I'm like, oh, you're not getting it. And it was upsetting because he's like a radio dude. So I was, I was super sad. And so it, yeah. it's almost like when a radio dude doesn't get it, you're kind of up against, I don't know, like a big wall when it comes to the general public who just see like, oh, it's 10 bucks. I can afford that. Yeah. I I mean, I guess other ways, like I have the only thing I can think of too would be for, you know, if you do believe in this, that you, you reach out to Spotify or streaming aggregators and you say, I, you know, I, I think that you should pay more or I will boycott, you know, or if a boycott is organized and called via social media and you see it happening, join it. You know what I mean? Okay. So, but I don't, I don't have the answers right now. And this happens so fast. All I know is that this is what I did in hopes to direct people to my site and to hopefully inspire other independent artists that this is not the only way, because what I was told was you can't not stream. You can't, you can't not stream. And I just was like, yeah, yeah, I can like, watch me (laughs) go ahead and watch me not stream, you know? And then I had a kind of a, you know, a moment where I was like, Oh yes, I can stream. I can make it work for me. So I've done something, I guess that's like somewhat novel and hopefully I've set forward a, an example of how this could work, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't expect it to happen overnight, but I am really grateful that there's a conversation being had about it because that's what needs to happen in order to affect the change. And before I let you go, I did want to ask you uh, again to get the word out. What are you working on right now? What do you want people to know about Astero? Like what's coming up? How can we support you? Lunch, working on lunch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is how things are working for me now. I've just decided that like, as I go, as I create music, as I finish, which I, you know, it's no secret that it's, I take a long time in between albums. I usually take about seven years notoriously between albums and releasing music. Um, part of that is because at this point now I am doing it all alone. And so I'm just self-funded and I have to rely on favors and the availability of people based on favors. So right now I actually have a fairly large catalog of stuff that I'm getting ready to release. And, um, the plan for me is to just sort of song at a time, put it out into the world via my site. And, um, and then I'd like to, as far as I'm seeing, I'd like to kind of do what I've done on Spotify and other streaming sites with every song that I do from now on is just sort of politely interrupt them at a minute and a half in and let them know where they can go purchase it. If they want to hear the whole thing, I want to continue to release physical copies. So I want to put stuff out via my own website digitally and make vinyl for stuff. If, if I can find an affordable way to do that and, um, yeah, that's sort of what the, what the plan is. And I'm working on um, 
like there's there's lots kind of that I've got there's lots in my bag that I'm getting ready to put out so okay cool and I Hopefully have to ask I can you, put more out into the world. And I have to ask you this because we have lots of people that listen to the show that are into hip hop. And I told you again off air how amazing I thought the song was that you did with the Black Eyed Peas earlier this year, uh, Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just tell us how that came about? I know you've worked with them before, so I, I'm assuming it wasn't hard for him to call you back up and say, hey, we need you on this song. No, no, no. We've been working for, you know, the Peas and I worked together for years and um, and their earlier stuff. And Will and I have been in touch throughout the years. Um uh, off and on, uh, obviously they, he got real busy, yeah. <laughs> got super busy <laughs> and we actually don't live too far from each other, but, um, and other members of the peas and that whole group I've been in touch with for years that I, that I stay with like the sort of their players and stuff like that. George Pahone, guitar player, um, uh, co-writer of a lot of their songs and I are really close friends and, um, Prince board, who was our keyboard player. Um, we all work together and have remained in touch for years, but will, um, will and I, We'll call. I got called upon by our friend Sarah to do the Yes We Can campaign for um, President Obama, and um, and that's when Will and I had sort of gotten in touch again. And then recently, we just sort of you know social media. So we'll direct message each other randomly on Instagram, like oh cool thing that you're doing or whatever. And then he'd hit me up just saying hey you know you know what are you doing? What are you doing right now? Are you busy? And I said no. What's up? I'm about to go to a session. He said, can you come sing on our record? I said, sure. Went now. I said, okay. <laughs> That's how that <laughs> happened basically. And so, and it felt really good to be back in the studio. That's awesome. Um, with him and, Mm-hmm. The song and then is it was fantastic. Like, like we're going to shoot a video for it this week, and that's what happened. Oh my god, that's so cool! Well, the song is is fantastic. And uh, do you have any other co- collaborations coming up? Um, hopefully, as a result of this, would be nice. I feel <laughs> like I feel relevant again, somewhat. Um, uh, nothing at the moment. Just okay. um, yeah, I haven't I haven't been asked at the moment. Nothing I can let me see. Is there anything I can think of? I'm a little bit stuck on stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, oh, I'm working at the moment with Mark Pelly, who plays guitar and is a member of the group Magic, and he is just unbelievably, ridiculously, divinely gifted. And so he and I have been working on some stuff together. That's cool. So you can definitely look for that. Okay, awesome. And uh, do you have any message for your Canadian fans? Because I know we're obviously so proud that you're you're from up here, even though you're down there now. <laughs> Um, I would say I'm super proud to be Canadian and I love my country and I love the people in my country and I miss you and hopefully I will be at least in Toronto very soon. And, you know, my, my dream again, as well as to have, to be able to be able to tour and play live again. And, um, I miss it very much and I miss being able to connect with people and, and, uh, I would like to be able to travel across our beautiful, beautiful nation. And, um, yeah, that would be amazing. That would be really amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And we're going to do our best to get the word out because uh, I think what you're doing is amazing. And, and I really think that this word needs to be spread and, and other artists need to join uh, join your, your wagon and get, and get things happening. So thank you for this. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. That's uh, Canadian recording artist Estero. You can uh, grab all of her social media handles and her music off her website, estero.net. Time for a look at some new music. Yeah, you I 
excited about this song that you're hearing right now. It's a collaboration between Ariana Grande, Miley Cyrus, and Lana Del Rey. It's called Don't Call Me Angel, and it's part of the soundtrack for the upcoming Charlie's Angels movie. Now, all three artists helped write the song, and it is the official lead single of the soundtrack. The soundtrack will drop on November 1st, and the movie hits theaters on November 15th, starring Naomi Scott and Kristen Stewart. Five-time Grammy Award-winning rockers Green Day have just released their new single called Father of All, and as you can tell, it's got some serious octane. It's actually the lead single off their upcoming 13th album, which is called Father of All as well, and it's going to drop on the 7th of February. Green Day have also announced they'll be heading out on tour to support the new album. It's going to be called the Hella Mega Tour with opening acts Fall Out Boy and Weezer. If you bump your head, I won't let you fall down. Multi-platinum award-winning British singer Emily Sande has released her third album called Real Life and I'm super excited that you are listening to the song. It's called Love to Help and as you can tell, it sounds like something Minnie Ripperton might have recorded back in the day. Now she has a bunch of performances this fall but mostly over in England. If you want to learn more about her, check out her website emilysande.com. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is our music editor Sharon Highland and today we are discussing the phenomenal Alex Trebek who earlier this year announced to his fans, followers, and the world that he has been battling stage four pancreatic cancer. Now, for a lot of us, this was a real shock because we're so used to him running the ship on Jeopardy for so many years that it sort of felt unthinkable that he was battling cancer. So, Sharon, I'll start with what were your thoughts when the news came out in the spring that he was sick? Because for me, I was like, he can't be. He's not allowed. That's kind of... (laughs) Well, we've uh, had him in our homes for so many years that that's... You react like you would to family. Like you just said, it can't be. Um, but he managed in that sort of uh, familial way mm-hmm. to break the news to us and make us feel better at the same time about something that he was going through. So, yeah, it's crazy. And then, you know, news comes that uh, he's doing great. He's back at work. He looks great. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then just like a member of the family would, he's hit another bump in the road. Yeah. So we just found that out um, recently that he's... Uh, I guess we'll say his numbers went down. They are up. Sorry, they shouldn't be where they are right now. So he has to go through another round of chemo. And again, he kind of made us feel better, mm-hmm. even though it's he's going through it. But like, because right away when I saw, uh, I was watching Good Morning America, and that's when they did the the interview with him. And it was just, I was like, no. And I actually stopped dead on what I was doing, which was exercising. And I said a prayer for him right away, because I'm like, this, like, I was hoping he was out of the woods, you know? Totally. And, uh, but again, his... His, he's living the way and explaining things the way that you're advised in a best case scenario. You know, stay positive and all the cliches that you hear, they're mm-hmm. true. If you smile through it, your body's going to get those vibes and you'll be a little bit stronger in the positivity category. And he has that nailed down. What's your thoughts on the fact of him being so transparent with all of us about what's going on? Now, obviously, we're not getting the day-to-day info, but he's after sort of going through things, he kind of tells us like, he was depressed, you know, he had severe back pain, like all the stuff, but all the while never missing one episode or taping one episode of the show, which mm-hmm. is 
mm. phenomenal. But yeah, like I feel like if anybody should should take a page from someone's book, it's it's other celebrities if they're going to share things should see how he has shared his story. Well, yeah, because he's doing it in the way that he's using his powers for good. Mm-hmm. If somebody else can benefit from him being honest and real about what he's going through and and proof that you can uh, triumph and you can stumble and then triumph again but ultimately you have to try and stay positive while you're doing that he's a great example for that and one of the things i found interesting when i was watching the good morning america interview is that the uh, reporter whose name escapes me at the moment who did the interview kind of mentioned as they were wrapping up the story that something that was so important to alex just over this last couple of uh, weekends or whatever was he actually had gone outside and was in a good enough frame of mind i guess and physically to just kind of kick around the house and get some chores done. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny how those things often are what's kind of most important. It's like like I actually love mowing the lawn for like, you know what I mean? Oh my so gosh, it's same here. It's interesting how those things are kind of what you enjoy as opposed to him saying like cuz the guy had asked him like, "Do you have a bucket list? Are you going to go out and do this that and something else?" And it sounds like he was just more happy to be doing things around his home and with the, the people that he loves. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, keeping it real. Uh, and again, that's kudos to him once again for, for having a grasp on reality and a grasp on what's important. I wanted to ask you this because I literally just read this article before we started uh, doing this interview. And Dr. Oz has made a comment, I guess, about the current situation with Alex. And he said that with the treatments, and I kind of want your opinion on this because I know we both have had people in our families that have had cancer. Mm -hmm. And so his statement essentially uh, was with the treatments that are out in 2019, a lot of cancers can be treated, but you have to follow the protocol, meaning like eat well, physical activity, mindset, support system. And I was kind of shocked that he said that. I do know that a lot of cancers are treatable, but I you still hear people passing away. Of course. From, so I was kind of shocked that he would have this blanket statement like, most cancers can be treated now in 2019. I was like, what? Well, the reality is we're all going to die. Right. I mean, if we go in knowing that, and guess what? We all know it. Um, you do all your other stuff properly. Like mm-hmm. you said, the eating, the exercise, paying attention, all that stuff, and being positive. Things can be treated. Mm-hmm. The it's It's amazing, though. The short-sightedness of certain people... Uh, the dangers of those kinds of mindsets that set people back. It, it makes them pay less attention to the things that are important and not living while we're living. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not... Uh, I, Dr. Oz, he's not wrong in saying that. Um, I don't think. And, I, <laughs> and I'm no doctor. <laughs> but you're, you're but Sharon I believe Island. Him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe everything he says. Fantastic. <laughs> Getting back to Jeopardy uh, just for a second, where does Jeopardy sit, do you think, in Joe Public's heart and mind? Because it's been around for over like 35 years now. Would you like the form, the answer in the form of a question? I would like that in the form of a question. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, five nights a week you get Jeopardy. You get all different uh, ranges of... Um, uh, smarts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the smarts, the <laughs> and smarty And I say pants. that and I don't sound smart saying that. <laughs> uh, so I think it's appointment tuning and people like watching. They trust him. He's at the level of, um, of his celebrity where he's giving all the right answers or the right, yeah, he's giving the right answers. He's got all the right answers. He does. He requires questions in return. But uh, this is a guy that we trust. Yeah. And so we have him in our home five nights a week however, whatever your schedule is. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. He's, uh, he's, he's, like we said at the beginning, he's part of the family. Um, how this will uh, go moving forward, it'll be, 
we can't help but be anything but positive because he happens to be doing that. And do you find that there are certain people where, let's say there is a huge tragedy in the world, like, well, just because this recently passed, 9-11, mm-hmm. where when that happened back in 2001, I think so many of us, like, obviously our entire mindset changed. The world was never the same, all that kind of stuff. And I think uh, for many months after, we were just craving normalcy. And for me, seeing sort of Jeopardy and seeing Wheel of Fortune, that it was still happening, mm-hmm. it just kind of, and it's, it's almost like too watching your favorite newscaster who you trust, it's like a, a Walter Cronkite or whatever. It's yep. just there. And he falls into that category. Yep. The comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You appreciate what they're saying. And so it's even more respectful that he is being respectful to us with his private information. Right. Knowing that it will have a huge impact on uh, on if, you know, not all of us. It'll definitely have an Im- impact on all of us. But that he's giving the information, if it just affects one person positively, he's done a great thing. I wanted to wrap up with actually mentioning uh, broadcast legend Koki Roberts, who recently passed away at the age of 75. So she's been a staple in American news for over 40 years. I believe it was over 30 with ABC Network itself. Um, She's been or she's won basically every award possible in the world of journalism, including being named a living legend by the Library of Congress in 2008. Isn't that crazy to be a living legend and named by the Library of Congress? And so I wanted to ask you, Sharon, were you actually a a fan of her work? And I guess... I'll let you answer that first. Well, she's uh, she's a mainstay. To get to the point of your uh, life and career to be the living legend that she was, mm-hmm. uh, for people of a certain age, she's she was there. Mm-hmm. She was reporting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's well, and and I'm a realist too for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> and a dreamer. Yeah, <laughs> but a realist mostly. And you think you think of things like 75. It's a good it's a good run. Yeah, I mean right. you hope for more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. I actually couldn't believe she was 75. For some reason, I was like, how is Koki Robert? I still thought she was like 45. Well, same, so. same deal with um, uh, Rick Ocasek. Oh, yeah. Also 75. Mm-hmm. He's like eternally 20-something, even though at the mm-hmm. peak of their career, he was early 30s. Right. But mm-hmm. he's got this vibe of him. Uh, you know, it depends on the work that you do. You plant yourself in a, like Koki Roberts, plants herself in a place of... Uh, of information and trust that a go-to source. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Ocasek is a, a point of reference for uh, music and and uh, and your heartstrings and your memories and things like that. Alex Trebek is this guy that we just rely on for being in our home so steadily and so trustworthy, in fact, that uh, it's they, they defy an age as a number. It's true, yeah. And it's crazy to think, too, that she'd written eight books. I'm like, who's who's alive long enough to write eight books? It's That's a cre- lot. That's a books. lot. <laughs> that is a lot of books. And I was watching some of the tributes to her, and it's really, I think, the mark of who she was as a person to see just how many fellow journalists were super affected by her passing. Mm-hmm. Like, so many of them were just like... She, and, and, and it was funny, because a lot of them you would think would just be like, she was such an excellent journalist. And of course, they all said that, but what they said was she was, like, the best friend you could ask for. Like, super there for you, and all that kind of stuff so i think that sparks uh, speaks to who she has is as a person mm-hmm. so uh yeah she will be missed that's for sure and it was funny because they i hadn't seen sam donaldson in years oh boy but they found him <laughs> we'll find you <laughs> they, sam. and he still has the hair the perfectly he, that placed perfectly hair. placed hair <laughs> it was a little askew. he keeps it over there yeah exactly <laughs> and it's it's mainly all white now but sam donaldson on point i love him he was like <laughs> such a character like just that hair and his like stare i don't know he's the man so yeah, totally. 
So good. So, uh, Sharon, thanks so much for hanging out. We always appreciate it. Happy to be here, Kel. Our music editor, Sharon Hyland. And uh, don't forget that we host another, we co-host another podcast together called 90s Now, where we chat about all things 90 and all things now. You can check it out, 90snow.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is Montreal-based singer-songwriter Ada Leah, who has just released her debut album called What We Say in Private. Ada also happens to be a painter and visual artist, and this definitely plays a part in the music she creates. Ada, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you so much for having me. What kind of music did you grow up listening to? I kind of want to take you back to see how much of that has sort of followed you the rest of your life. My parents just, like, listened to the radio, I think. Mostly. My mom really liked Prince, so we listened to some Prince, and my dad liked, like, rock and roll and blues and things like that, so we kind of just, like, listened to um, to that kind of stuff. I don't know. And do you find that some of that, like, let's say Prince, has that sort of influenced who you are a little bit uh, as an artist today? Probably in some way. I'd, I'd like to think so. I feel like anything you listen to can kind of be traced. So talk to us about your uh, debut album, What We Say in Private. First of all, that's an amazing title. How did you come up with that? Um, how did I come up with that? Well, I had a few ideas kind of happening at the same time, and I wasn't sure which one to use, but that one just kind of came out of the blue. Um, I'm not entirely sure how it did, but um, definitely wanted to highlight being having like some sort of like privacy and now, then showcasing that or like putting it side by side with the public sphere. Now talk to us a little bit about the fact that I know you did a lot of journaling uh, after a particular, I think breakup it was. And so how much of that plays into this new project? It plays a big role. I um, definitely was journaling for a while and I took I would take like those ideas and put them into the songs afterwards to like get some inspiration for the material and I would just kind of like borrow those song those those words that I was writing in my journal for a song. And uh is that how you always go about writing your music? Like do you always sort of journal first and then sort of pick things out and then write songs around that or do you sometimes actually even start just with writing songs? I sometimes start with writing songs, but it's definitely easier to just have a whole bunch of material at your disposal mm-hmm. and to work with that, yeah. So when it comes to uh, this new album that you've put out, how do you want people to receive it? Is it like a collection of songs? Is it thematic? Like, what do you want people to take from it? I think, um, I mean, it's thematic. It's also a collection of songs, but there's a, a, like a joining theme, um, a thread that's joining all the songs together. I'd like to think that um, it's hmm, it's a good question. I think, yeah, I think however someone wants to, to hear it, but it is, there's like, the songs were recorded around the same time and written around the same time. So I think that that's important too to remember. And when it came to the recording process, like how long was it from sort of beginning to end? Like, did you take a lot of time to get this album together or was it, you know, fairly quick in the studio? It took a while. It was um, about like seven months, I think, of recording from start to finish. 
I don't know how long it usually takes people, but it <laughs> around like seven months. Yeah, I think it depends. I think some people can bang it out in three, and then some people take two years. I think it yeah. just depends on on yeah. what's on what's going on. And I I didn't know this, so I'm going to ask this this now. Do you play instruments on the album as well? Yeah, I play um, guitar on all the songs, and I sing, and I also play bass on on some songs and keys on on all the songs too. And have your family and friends been supportive of your music career? Like, do they think this is like a viable option for you? Are they worried about you because the, the music industry can be such a roller coaster ride? My friends have definitely been supportive of me throughout the years. My parents, um, it comes in waves whenever, well, like now they're very supportive, but they do have conversations with me often where they suggest that I go back to school and become a doctor. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's how parents roll. And uh, yeah. I mentioned off the top that you, uh, you know, are, are not only a recording artist, but you, you're a painter and a visual artist. What do mm-hmm. each of those disciplines or how do each of those disciplines play a part in your music? Um, yeah, I think like the visual side definitely impacts the music because I'm able to um, kind of predict what's going to happen next through a visual like, I don't know, I like to hear, like, think of it as a message that I'm, like, receiving, but I get, like, a visual of the song that I'm working on, and that'll help me write, the finish writing the song if I'm seeing a certain color palette or if I'm seeing a scene. Yeah. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show is Ada Leah. You can uh, check out her website and grab all of her social media handles and upcoming shows, of course, com. Are you going to be touring the album uh, because now it's out and about? Yeah, I'm going to be going to Toronto on August 1st and then doing um, like New York, Philly, Boston and Montreal around that date. Now, I, I wanted to know, as being a Canadian artist and something, and someone from, from Montreal being based here in Montreal, uh, how do you find the, the scene is in Montreal? Do you find it, it uh, very supportive and like a good community for you to not only take inspiration from other artists, but for them to support you as well? Yeah, I struggle with like finding a community in Montreal. Um, I definitely have like a close group of friends that I feel supported by musically. But um, I've always felt it, like, kind of difficult to feel that sense of community being, like, an Anglophone in Quebec. I feel as though I'm an outsider and, um, you know, I've applied to, like, many festivals in Quebec and haven't really been, I feel, supported in that way. So hopefully, like, that'll, that that's changing now. But, you know, it is hard it's um there's a priority like with francophone artists and i understand that but it it, it does make it like kind of difficult for the anglophone artists to have feel like there's a community in in uh, quebec do you think because of that you might want to hit the road and head down to toronto or maybe even out to vancouver or la or new york new york i should say yeah yeah definitely there's um there's a desire to like bring the project to the states um to different markets because, yeah. Now, I read in uh, our review, I should say, in Pitchfork, and they compare you to Wilco and PJ Harvey. Do you find that comparison accurate? I think so. From, like, what I've heard of Wilco, um, I've just listened to, like, Yankee 
uh, Hotel Foxtrot, Foxtrot Hotel. <laughs> I can't remember which order the words come in, but that's the only vocal album I've really listened to. And I, I think they compared in some sort of like honest, broken down way. And I think I can hear that. I also hear PJ Harvey and I love PJ. I'm a huge PJ fan. So yeah, I think those are, those are pretty cool comparisons because PJ can, can get really grungy and really loud. And she definitely has inspired me tremendously. And so that was pretty, she's just like an amazing woman. So that was really nice to hear that. Are there other artists right now on the pop scene or on the indie scene that really sort of float your boat that you want other people to kind of know about and, and sort of be like, hey, you need to check them out? Yeah. Um, well, my friend Emily Kong, she's a harpist. Um, and yeah, she's amazing. I feel like not many people know about her. There's also an Australian artist named Julia Jacqueline that I love and her album came out recently and it's just, it's exquisite. Do you have specific goals for yourself over the next like year to 18 months that you want to make sure that you fully accomplish? Um, well, I was just talking to my friend Emily and she says that she wants me to be on the late night, a late night show. Oh, that's pretty cool. (laughs) And so she's like trying to manifest that. So maybe that's a goal for the next 18 months. And before I let you go, we have a lot of people that are listening overseas and, you know, right around the world, which is, is awesome. For someone who hasn't heard of you yet, what do you want them to know about Adalia? That's a good question. Um, well, well, I don't d- know. Listen to the album? Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. fair. Listen to the album and find out who you are. Do you find, like, if yeah. someone is to, to listen to the album, will they get a good idea of who you are as a person? I think so. I think there's a lot that that's revealed in that album about myself and about um, maybe themselves too, other people. That's cool. I've heard that from other from people that it feels quite like universal. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us on the on the show. We really appreciate it, and of course, we wish you the best of luck with the new uh, the new album. Thank you so much. That's Ada Leah. Her new album is called What We Say in Private. You can hit up her website for her social media and, of course, her upcoming shows, adaleahmusic.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. And, of course, a shout-out to our guests, Estero and Ada Leah. Of course, my thanks going out to Adam Bresal, the producer of the show. And we'd love for you to follow us on all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. And, of course, you can check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kellyalexandershow. Show. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon.